1: Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at Harry's dot com slash blue wire. That's Harry's dot com slash blue wire for a $3 trial set.
2: What up everyone? I just wanted to let you know at the back end of the show, after the golf research and the picks, I've added the 10 minute segment that Tambo and I did from our show on Monday Night Football DraftKings Showdown picks for Tampa and Dallas. There's a million dollars up top, so if you did want to get into those streets, it's a nice contest to go do it and we talk through some of the strategy. So, you know, listen to it, don't listen to it, but thought I would throw it on for you in case you were looking for it. All right? Let's get to the show. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2023. American Express picks and research to get you ready for the third week of the 2023 PGA season. Hope everything is going well at the Sony Open, as I am recording this before the beginning of the third round, and looking at the 6 of 6 percentages on DraftKings, where it is sub-5%, I'm guessing not so great. Myself included. I got one runner in the $5 that was winning it at the turn, and then uh, the guys in the PM wave played, and no longer winning it. I'm still inside the top 50, though. So. Praise for Hideki? Maybe Lipsky wants to win? We'll, we'll see i post him would be. Just fantastic news for everyone out there. But hey, hopefully everything is going well. Hopefully your bets are live or you got in on something. And hey, there's always showdown to go to. Thank you for watching this and smash the like button for the episode. Sub to Mayo Media Network. Rate and review the audio podcast. I do not have the link for the Listeners League as of yet. Uh, they're a bit slow right now with NFL still going on. Uh, once NFL concludes, I'm sure I'll start getting the Listeners link early enough to provide for this show in both the audio and video feeds. The first crack is going to be for the American Express Picks and Bet show Monday late morning with Jeff Feinberg. So we want to fill that up. I think we're going up to 3,000 spots this week. We need your help in filling it as quickly as possible to, of course, as always, Make it even bigger. My walkthrough today is going to be provided by FantasyNational.com. If you want access to all the tools, all the stats, the simulator, the lineup generator, real-time ownership percentages, FantasyNational.com slash Mayo to get yourself 20% off any of the levels, weekly, monthly, the annual, obviously the best deal, but hey, just take the weekly. And if you do it on a Wednesday, you get Wednesday to Wednesday, so realistically you get Two tournaments worth of fun. So you'll get this week and Farmers for next week. If you do the weekly on a Wednesday, I think it's like eight bucks per week, and then you'll get 20% off. It's super cheap. So you might as well get into that right now. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo. Give me your winner right off the hop. Your gut winner down in the comment section for the American Express at PGA West and We'll get into it. This is a super field, more on the field in a second, but I do want to talk about the course. It's a three-course rotation, always a ton of fun. Uh, This is the best drone flyover I could find. Uh, It's either this or it is going to be... Uh, like a Google Map walkthrough, which is no longer all that much fun. You see the ton of water. This is the stadium course. is the main course. Each of the players are going to play three rounds between all the courses. You have the stadium course, the Nicholas course, and La Quinta. The final round will take place at the stadium course, the most difficult of the three, although it's not super challenging. You can get yourself into a lot of trouble at the stadium course, mind you, but uh, it is not as difficult as the other two. All of them are par 72s. The stadium course is 7,147. Yards the Nicholas course 71, 81, and then 7,600 yards for La Quinta, a full complement of par fives on each of them. So, and they're super easy as well. All the par fives across all the courses this is like the easiest course, the easiest tournament on the PGA Tour as it pertains to making birdies. So, be cognizant of that as we go through it. Hudson Swafford won a year ago at minus 23. So, you're gonna have to be well into the minus 20s in order to. To make everything. Uh, for showdown purposes, you probably want to stack up La Quinta and Nicholas courses. It's not always the way that it pans out, but that's probably your best option if you're going through everything. And the greenside bunkers at both the Nicholas course and the stadium course are within the top five of most difficult greenside bunkers. So you gots to be hitting greens and regulation at all of these courses. Uh, the driving distance is way down at the stadium course versus the average PGA Tour event. It's a Pete Dye course. Oh, what's this? here. Bob Sapp, okay. So let's hop on over to FantasyNational.com and kind of take a look a bit more in-depth at the courses that we're going through. Again, the stadium course is the only one with shot length data. It is the only one that has cameras on it. Uh, If you're trying to follow guys that are not at the stadium course, well, you're going to be shit out of luck, pals, because you might get like a handy cam. I remember when Hadwin was firing his 59 at Lee Quinto one year, they finally got like a handy cam on him on the 17th hole. It was pretty ridiculous uh, to be perfectly honest with you the par threes at this course incredibly challenging Uh, as you can see the two hardest holes on the course both par threes then you have like the the faux island green uh, number 17 it's only 165 yards but there's so much water on the stadium course that you can find yourself going the wrong way quickly you can shoot 64 63 at the stadium course but the big numbers also come at this course and mainly they're derived from these par threes so it's very interesting to figure out and when you kind of look at it hole 13 Fifteen, eighteen, seventeen. Those four amongst the five hardest on the course. So if your guy walks in with the lead going down the stretch, uh, it might not be there by the end of the round. So keep that in mind if you're live betting or trying to, like we did last week, count our Morikawa chickens before they hatch. Just be very cognizant of that. Approach in putting, it's one of those types of courses. You want to hit a lot of fairways at this course. Now, obviously, the longer you hit it, uh, the easier your recovery shots are going to be. But playing out of the fairway is a huge advantage at a course that isn't particularly long. One of the other things, note too on the par fives like when we take a look at eagles gained that's why la quinta really pops out as the one that you want to target because eagles are more accessible at la quinta versus the other two courses you can see a 2.6 percent on a par five 2.2 1.9 on the par five on the top three par fives at the stadium course The going for the green and hit rate of the green percentage at the stadium course is amongst the top three lowest on the PGA Tour. So not a lot of players getting there into a lot of layups to 100 yards or whatever the comfortable distance is, and then boom, put it on the green from there. So, like I said, just avoid the blow-ups, avoid the water. There's over 90 bunkers on the stadium course, 7 holes with water in play, so again, the combustion level is there. The plurality of approach shots are going to come from 150 to 175, but you see a pretty even distribution, 10%, 13%, 12% from inside 150 yards as well. So, if you're good with your short irons, it should be pretty good. We see the historic cut line here, minus 6, minus 6, minus 7, minus 5, sorry, it was minus 9 when year in 2019 be very wary when looking at the stats from the Siwoo Kim year which was 2000 it was the COVID year it was 2021 yeah that's right 2021 Siwoo won at minus 23 but they actually played Both the weekend rounds at the stadium course, La Quinta was at a play for that year. Driving accuracy lower uh, than we see during a regular event. Average driving distance way down because it's a Pete Dye course. They're going to force you to lay up off the tee and take some tricky angles into holes. Like You can't just bomb and gouge. And we kind of look at the types of players that have won at this course in the past. It's all over the map. Like This has been a long shot fest for a really long time. Uh, Mainly because you have the three-course rotation. It's a pro-am. Everyone gets 54 holes. In And then you go into it. And it's a, basically, I mean, as Rom said one year, this is basically a putting contest. You run a hot putter, you're probably going to win. But you've seen the Roms, the Swaffords, the Vegases of the world all win at this course, guys with a ton of driving distance. But then you also have, I mean, Siwoo's kind of a, a middle outlier. But then you have Mark Wilson ends up being a winner here. Like you have your guys, Brian, I mean Bill Haas is a back-to-back, not back to back. Was he back to back? He's a two-time winner. Duffner has won here in the past. So guys that are good at par four scoring. So par four scoring, par three scoring, assume everyone scores on the par fives, be on your way, hit some fairways, and ride a hot putter. That's essentially the key to this week. It's very up and down. I would say the long shot thing is usually in play for this course, like I mentioned. However, the field at the course this year is incredible. So so when we take a look at the field it's you know it's going to be harder for a long shot to win because you're dealing with Finau and Zalator, Xander's back from his back injury. Apparently he's going to be okay. Scheffler, Cantley, Tom Kim, Rom, Sungjae, Taylor Montgomery, Sam Burns, Harmon, Cam Davis. Like this, is a, this is the best field I can ever remember for this tournament. And even kind of looking back on it, 13 of the past 14 champions have played at least one of their first two events in Hawaii. So either the TOC or the Sony, that has been, like I mentioned, um, 13 of the past 14 champions. So some guys that are teeing it up for the first time this week that are in the field, Fowler, uh, Dean the Dean Burmeester, the Burmista Mista lady, Davis Riley, Adam Hadwin, Justin Rose, Jason Day, Joel Damon, Danny Willett, Matthew Neesmith, Taylor Pendrith, Higo, Eric Van Royen, Munoz, Dietrich is playing in this event. However, he's playing the Hero Cup right now, the Ireland and Great Britain versus the rest of continental Europe sort of Ryder Cup, if you weren't paying attention to it. Like, it's sort of like a European Ryder Cup that's going on over in the Middle East right now. He's coming back over. Sungjae, Tom Kim, Harmon, Poston, Ramy, and Ryan Brem are all playing for the third consecutive week. I'm not worried about burnout on anyone, but that's just a way that you can go through it. These rounds are long. They are pro-am filled. And it's not like the Pebble Beach pro-am where you get Larry the Cable Guy playing. No, you get like Steve, the CFO of Valspar, uh, in your playing partner. and A whole bunch of those guys. Like Carl Carlton from Fresh Prince is going to be the most notable celebrity in this pro-am. But because of it, everyone gets three rounds. The cut happens after the third round. So keep that in mind uh, when you're trying to play it out. It does tend to lead to more stars and scrubs we've seen over time. Of course, you're going to need a 6 of 6 to get to the top of any DraftKings tournament. However, uh, with those guaranteed three rounds, you can really jam in whoever you want at the top. And that's realistically the way that we're going to go with everything. Tournament history. Um, As you can see, uh, we go strokes gain total past five years. Hadwin can'tley Sungjae, Putnam, and Rom. Siwoo is up there as well. All of those first five guys I've mentioned have never missed a cut, uh, although only Putnam has played each of the five years. See, like, this is the weird thing about this tournament. So Swafford wins last year at Deep Odds. He had won in 2017 before. Andrew Landry lost a Rom in a playoff in 2018. He came in with no form in 2020 and just out of nowhere wins. Guys that have played well at these courses in the past tend to just randomly pop up. Obviously, it doesn't happen every year. But guys with no form but good course history just for whatever reason. Maybe they're used to the three-course rotation. Maybe they know these greens really well. They're quote-unquote Bermuda greens, but they're really just overseeded with Poetrivials. Trivials. So they're very slow uh, in comparison to a lot of them. So even some bad putters can get hot throughout the course of the course of the week. Uh, and you're going to need to, because you're going to need to get to minus 23, basically at least, in order to win this tournament. Take a look back at last year. Swafford won. He's on live now, so no more of him. You had Hoagie, Herman, Hodges, Denny McCarthy, Will Zalatoris all inside the top six. Cantley was number nine. Cantley came second in 2021. He staged a huge comeback. He was so low on Sunday. Uh, didn't end up making a difference. Sungjae has just been competitive, but not near the winner's circle every single year. He has no finish worse than T12 in any of his four appearances, but he has no finish like beyond tied for 10th either. So he's never really been in contention when it comes down to it. I mean, the putting difference is really what makes up What happens on the leaderboard? Why long shots? I mean, it was the first appearance of Long Dong Paul Barjon last year. My guy, Lee Hodges. There was no Saturday round right after the cut in order to sink him. So as a rookie, he comes inside the top three. Like, this is a weird leaderboard. Swafford, Hoagie, Lonto, Hodges, Harmon all inside the top three. Obviously, Swafford won. Molinari, Zalatoris. Zalatoris did it. With minus 1.5 strokes putting, that doesn't tell the entire story, because in round two, and I want to say the Nicholas course, he shot a 61, and he made putts from everywhere that day, just draining like 80 footers from across the board. Denny, Cantley, Barjon, then you had like Sungjae, Siwoo. Siwoo's been really good at this tournament. I mean, he is a former champion. Pete Dye course, we'll dig into the Pete Dye stuff a little bit later on. But this is what happened last year. And again, these stats are only from the two rounds at the stadium course. The other ones do not have shot length data. Maybe they'll realize this is the year 2023 and they'll upgrade that this year out of nowhere. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Wouldn't count on it. However, uh, trying to get our proper stats. So just keep that in mind. You want like your birdie, per, birdie or better percentage being up there. You want your opportunities gained to be very high up on the list as well. These are just the random things that we're going to look at throughout the course of the tournament.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set.
3: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
2: let's try to build out a model. I have the one from the previous years. Let's see if I can find old Amex. It's probably under like career builder if I had to guess. When these tournaments changed their name, you know, you have to kind of adapt with time. So strokes gained off the tee along with fairways gained make up 25%, so 15 on and off the tee, 20 or 10% on fairways gained, opportunities gained at 10%, that key proximity range I talked about 150 to 175, approach 25%, par 3s at And then we have par 4s, 10%, par 5s, 5%. Sand saves with so much sand opportunity around here at 5%. So I need to get rid of some of them because I do want to wait putting 5 to 10 feet and 15 to 20 feet. uh, Sorry, 5, 5 to 10 feet, 10 to 15 feet. On putting, uh, I want to include in this, like where, you know, instead of having birdies or better gained as a stat, I'm going to use opportunities gained. And then I'm going to use these two to try to really suss out what I want to find. I'm going to decrease approach by 5% because I do have opportunities gained. And I'm going to decrease off the tee by 5% because I already have fairways gained. So those were overweighted. In the past, uh, this model hasn't really been the best for me, but I'm going to add in putting and see if it can help me a little bit with some of the guys that I want to target. Gut feeling tells me, I, I came up with five before the show started, of in my gut who I like. I like Finau at the top. I like Sahith, Cam Davis, Cam Young, and Sung Jay. Obviously, I'm probably not going to bet all those five guys, but gut tells me that's where I want to be. So we're looking at this past 50 rounds right now. Obviously, this draws from a way back... Going into last year, Tom Kim, Finau, Sungjae, Sheffler, Cantlay is the top five. Should be no surprises there. Well, oh, it jumped on me a little bit. All right, there we go. Zalatoris, Harmon, Cam Davis, Mark Hubbard, along with Brian Harmon in that mix inside the top ten. And again, this is the past 50 rounds. Hoagie, Cam Smith, Grio, who just missed the cut in pretty devastating fashion. No Ryan Armour fashion, who all he had to do was par the easy 18th at Sony. Instead, he makes bogey. Thanks for your hole-in-one. That was helpful. Would have been more helpful if you made the cut, pal. Who else do we got going on here? Grio, Damon. Damon for the first time this year. Again, Rom, Neesmith for the first time. Stupid armor coming in at number 17, Aaron Wise. Very poor history at this event, by the way, with Aaron Wise, for what it's worth. It's not going to get me on or off of him, just noting that. Maybe it's the sand save and how terrible he is out of the sand. It's funny how Rad Rom is out of the sand. It's not that big of a deal when you just hit all the greens in regulation, you're never in the sand. Just funny to see him so low over the past 50 rounds. Uh, Hodges and Siwoo are both up there. Pendrith and Kedira, along with Poston might continue to ride Poston. I've just really liked his form for the first two events, and as a longer. shot Shot and we get to guess the odds. I don't think he's going to be 100-1, to 1, but he'll be like 50-plus, something like that. Lipsky continues to pop a little bit. Hadwin has just had a lot of success both on desert courses and at this event in particular. Adam Long is a previous winner of this event. We haven't seen Rose yet this year. Haven't seen Munoz, KH Lee, and Jason Day, both up there as well. Davis Riley, another one who pops up. And that's over the past 50 rounds. Let's shrink this down a little bit and look over the past 24 to give us a better snapshot of, again, this is going to go pretty far back into what happened, you know, at late last year and even at the end of the summer. But it's still better than you know, last 50, which might go back to last April or something like that. And sometimes people like to look at further back and try to really get a good baseline of what's going on. But you can see the risers and followers here. So now past 24 rounds, we got... Tom Kim, still number one. Tom Kim's great, by the way. Although he did miss the cut, dude couldn't make a putt to save his life. Maybe uh, when his uh, stats get updated for the Sony, I'm guessing he's no longer going to be fifth in putting from 10 to 15 feet. Just a hunch on that one after the performance at the Sony Open in those two rounds. I'm fine with going back to Tom Kim, by the way. He's kind of... Again, uh, he just kind of shows up to these courses. The driving accuracy is still off the charts good. So be cognizant of that. Nice flop leg spot because people are going to be devastated. It's all price depending, both in the odds and DraftKings pricing. But I'm wondering where he gets buried. I'm going to have my guesses at the end. And I do think that he's beyond 20 to 1 this week. And that's my guess. That might not be fact. But with the strength of this field, I do think he's going to be buried a little bit. So the top. 10 in terms of my overall ranking amongst the key stats. Past 24 rounds, shrinking down the sample a little bit. Kim, that's Tom... Joel Damon, Will Zalatoris, Cantley, and Harmon. Harmon, again, was top three at this tournament last year, off to a good start this season already. Did make the cut at the Sony Open. That's always nice to see. Finao Day up inside the top 10. Sungjae, Hoagie, who was second at this course last year, and then Kadaira How in God's name is Kadaira keep popping? What is Kadaira doing in the field? I thought his exemption was up at this point. 16th at Zozo with no stats. I mean, he goes back a while here. Uh, He he was all right to end the year. Then we haven't seen him at all. Maybe he played over in Japan. Not quite sure. I mean, I can effort that for us if we really want to. Let's see. Kadira official, world golf ranking, and just see what pops up for him. He did play towards the end of the year on the Japanese tour. Obviously, that's not being taken into consideration in any of these stats. He was fifth, fifth, and fourth. All right, and then 48th. So he played four events, five, six. Seven seven events. All right, to end the season over on the Japanese tour, and he came inside the top well, top five in his final three. So maybe he is heating up a little bit. So maybe a look to Kadira in that sense. No idea how he has done in this event in the past. Let's see, American Express, the Amex, missed the cut here last year in 2021. Forget what we were calling it before that. I think we were calling it the career builder. Uh, the Amex 2021, playing on Corn Ferry, Nothing from him the year before that. Did he play the year before that at this event? No, he didn't. So he only played it once, missed the cut. Although I'm just, it's funny to see him popping like that. Uh, Hubbard continues to stay up. Cam Davis continues to go up. Uh, Justin Lower comes in at number 16. He had some moments during the swing season. Grayson Sig was bogey free through two rounds uh, at this tournament last year. So we can take a quick look at Justin Lower trying to find our Eric Cole. Made the cut, by the way of the week has not been really all that great for lower played well in Bermuda played well at the fortinet top tens in both of those events top 20 at the Shriners played really well at the Shriners but you can see he's a guy who makes a ton of his putts doesn't really do much else not someone you really want to go target in a strong field like this but he is the type of player that can kind of pile up birdies and bunches and I'm guessing his DraftKings price is probably going to be something like $6,300 one of those guys to put on your radar if you need someone to make some birdies at the very bottom all right so it looks like grayson Sig playing a little bit better golf uh the putting has been amazing for him throughout the course of the swing season has yet to drop strokes to the field not sure how he did at sony in full disclosure i can look more into that in depth on monday morning but we're here doing our first look we're doing our research for this event trying to get everything in the mix he was t25 last year okay it's not horrible mind you in his first start ever at the He's made a... Actually, he's been pretty good making a ton of cuts here. Ever, basically, ever since the playoffs started, he's been making the cut every single week. So the putting has really been enhanced. enhanced. And now we'll kind of reload that. I... Tried to do my Super Troopers joke and reloaded the page. Always fun when it comes down to that. Bob Shelton ended up missing the cut. We'll see how he ends up doing. So now if we just kind of take a look, I I do want to kind of zoom back out longer term, and we'll go past 75 rounds of this to get a better sense of where the guys pop in key stats historically. So if we're looking at par threes gained or we're looking at putting and anything like that, shorter par fours, looking at the longer term approach, I think is probably more beneficial to give you a baseline of where those guys are at than if you want to shrink it down to the short term to see guys who are trending upwards in those key stats, that can be very helpful as well. So we'll start with sand saves and just take a look at who the best players out of the sand have been. Shoffley, Harmon, Sebez, Michael Thompson, and Denny McCarthy are your top five. Poston, Cantley, Putnam, Lingmurth. When I talked earlier about players who, like Landry, for example, who just kind of pop out of nowhere at one of these events, I'm going to be betting David Lingmurth this week. I don't care that he was just a disaster at the Sony Open this week. It just he he lost in that playoff to Duffner in two thousand sixteen. I remember that very vividly because we had money on Duffner. Duffner chipped it off the rocks. One, we used that money, and that's how we ended up with a big bet on Danny Willett to win the Masters and thus I paid off half of my wedding because of that. So thank you once again, Danny Willett, for all of that. But Lingmuth just—he's popped up at random tournaments over the course of the past year. Yeah, I remember at the—I think it was the U.S. Open of the PGA Championship. He was just up there. So even though he missed the cut at the Sony, top 10 or top 11 in Bermuda, top 10 at Mayakoba, top 10 at the RSM— uh, and that's a pretty good end to what he was up to. Won on He won the Nationwide on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. So he's playing a lot better golf. Uh, he ended up coming T49 at the U.S. Open. But he was up there for a while. So he'd be the type of guy, almost like in the Andrew Landry sense, that I would just take a flyer on to see if this could end up going really well for him uh, as someone who has played this tournament a bunch, is very familiar with the format. Uh, you take a look at the Amex over the years. He has two second-place finishes, 2013, 2016. Hasn't played in it since two thousand. 2018. However, he's never missed a cut at this tournament at the same time and comes in with good form minus the Sony Open when I think, I mean, he wasn't a popular play, but he was on a lot of the radars of people. So Ling Mirth, you know. You're not going to find like a good first-round leader market. You might find some first-round leader markets that match up with the course. Those are really not all that good. Oh, my God. I didn't realize Taylor Montgomery was so good out of the sand. The guy, top six in both putting ranges and great out of the sand, great on par fours. The approach game is horrible, but he might win this week at the Sony as we go into the weekend. So very, very interesting to see Montgomery continue to pop up. I really like him at the Farmers. I think that's a great breakthrough spot for him. Dead last in the field in proximity gained from 150 to 175, by the way. Fortunately, he hits the ball so far that he's not really in that range all that often, uh, especially at some of the shorter courses like this. So some things you can overlook uh, and he just continues to putt so, so well, but he is up there in sand saves as well. And then all the regulars, Cam Davis, very good out of the sand, very good on both par threes and par fives. That's one of the main reasons that I really liked him coming into it. Now I see this, that kind of confirms this. And again, this is over the past 75 rounds let's take a look at fairways gained who are the best most accurate players in the field because of the shorter courses and taking driver out of your hand a little bit some of the top end players like your roms and your xanders are going to get see an increase in fairways gained solely because they're going to be dialing back a little bit off the tee we see that every single year at this tournament when it comes to the bombers the most accurate players in the field i feel like Revi won this event before too Revi made the weekend at sony after just a horrible run, uh, like very bad at the century. Dude can't make a putt to make save his life, but at the Amex, I swear to God, I thought he won this tournament. Maybe it was like that long ago that he won, uh, because this really does feel like a Chez Revi tournament. Although, uh, by the numbers, no, not so much a Chez Revi tournament. But he is the most accurate player in the field off the tee. Armour Tom Kim, number three. Todd, father, Steward, Kedira, Ryan Moore. There's Lingmurth again. This is how Lingmurth ends up getting to the top. If Kyle Stanley, somehow Kyle Stanley is, there's only 156 players in this field. And somehow he ranks 159th in putting. That actually tracks for Kyle Stanley, by the way. There, there are extra players in this field that I'm just not aware of. Oh, it goes up to 161. So a, a couple of these guys aren't going to end up being in the field at the very bottom. end. it's kind of funny to see that he's that bad when it comes down to it. You see another guy with great accuracy, Andrew Putnam. Continues to play well year over year. Siwoo, former winner, plays well every year at this event. 16th, Lipski is another one. I'm going to add Lipski to the long shot list. Obviously, probably not much of a sleeper anymore based on the week that he's currently having at the sony but we were on him that last week he popped up in the research show from, a year, or from last week as well, as someone who just kind of does everything pretty well across the board and currently sits top 20 over the past 75 rounds in strokes gained approach. So very interesting to look at from that front. Uh, Damon's just a good player. He's going to be far more valuable in terms of pricing and odds than everyone else in this range. Harmon, a very accurate driver. The glove, he's back up here. Did the glove, what's was the last, I can't remember if the glove played in the Sony or not. Tell you the truth. Yeah, he gets sunk by putting. Whenever he putts, he tends to do well. Uh, He came third in a playoff event to end the year, made all the cuts in the swing season, but no good finishes, nothing inside the top 35 for the glove when it came down to it. Merritt made the weekend. Uh, This actually does seem like a Troy Merritt course. Uh, He can run super hot with the putter. He's fifth in 10 to 15-foot putting. He's top 25 in terms of fairways gained. The approach has been abysmal, but we've seen him break tournaments before in terms of his approach. It just shows up out of nowhere and then goes absolutely frigid. You see this run that he had from 3M, Rocket Mortgage, 3.8, 2.4 at BMW, 4.5 at the Fortinet. Uh, And I mean, those are bad courses for him. The Fortinet is a bomb and gouge type of course. It's not great for your accuracy players. This tournament is really good for your accuracy players. So let's see, American Express, never really played well at this course. Maybe not a great fit for him, but you can see some of these, look at some of these approach weeks uh, in two of his wins, 10.2, 10.1 in both of his wins. Third at the Heritage, 10.1. Like there's very few players out there on the PGA Tournament or whoever have ever breached even close to 10 strokes gained on approach in one particular tournament, let alone a guy who's not good on approaches, but has done it three times in his career. It's like the Morikawa stat, Uh, or even the JB Holmes is maybe even a better example of this, where JB Holmes just has these weird tournaments, or did have these tournaments, where he'd be like minus four on the greens, minus five, minus three, and then three times a year, he'd be plus eight. I don't know where it comes from, but it's not predictable by any stretch of the imagination. You just kind of have to roll with it sometimes. Hey, my guy, the Gim Reaper's back this week. Shout out Doug Gim. Love Doug Gim. Sung Jay, long, all accurate players off the tee. On paper, this feels like a really good Munoz course, but I don't feel like his game is especially where it needs to be at the moment for us to really like him. Yeah, he's been pretty poor since the U.S. Open, and that was you know, more than six months ago this point so maybe take a pass on a guy who's playing for the first time i can't believe rom is up here in top side the top 40 in accuracy what a jerk he has all this stuff going for him and also he's very good off the team in terms of distance and driving distance opportunities gained leader hoagie cam young there's again there's cam young popping up inside the top 30 in both butting stats as well finau is number four xander cantley sheffler all the good players are up there the the worst player at the top of opportunities gained would be luke list he ain't making enough putts to matter this week i don't think so at least riley and carl juan carl juan ended up uh rallying to make the cut at the sony obviously very good on the corn Ferry tour i believe he was number one on their merit list a year ago uh, he won the louisiana open which i think is is it that tpc louisiana now, it's at Firestone South in Louisiana. I have no idea where that is. I was hoping it would be Carl Wan uh, at TPC Louisiana, which is a Pete Dye course, uh, but just very consistent results for him. Dude sucks on the greens until he doesn't. and But the approach play has been amazing to end the year. It was pretty good so far at Sony through two rounds. So we'll throw Carl Wan onto the long shot list to make sure that we can keep an eye on him going forward. Uh, Anders Albertson, which is, it's been so long, he doesn't even have 75 qualified rounds to go off. And neither does Carl Juan by the way. He only has 26. Smalley, Maddie Schmidt. Duffner is still up there. Former winner at this event. I just don't think he could putt at all anymore. So that's a problem. Dietrich and Lipsky both up there. Someone named Gunnar Weedy, who in only eight rounds continues to be up there. Lee Hodges I mean, Lee Hodges, he's not great on a. He's pretty good on approach. He's 14th overall in the past 75 rounds. Kind of sucks on the greens from time to time, but did come T3 here last year. So maybe he has these slower greens figured out, or maybe it was a one-year aberration. It's really difficult to say, but when you're searching down from the bottom of the list, these are the type of guys that you can potentially go to. Nice to see Ben Griffin having another good week at Sony inside the top 30 long-term in terms of opportunities gained, and the putting has been much better over that time. He's kind of a wayward putter, as you're gonna see. Uh, he's kind of the guy I just kind of I spoke about. He either gains a bunch or loses a bunch. And in a tournament like this, if you continue to have the ball striking going really well, especially the approaches, if you can just run a hot putter, you can find yourself at the top of the leaderboard pretty quickly. You see a fourth at the Wyndham, a third uh, in Bermuda, 16th and in Houston. And then he's currently, I believe, T5 at the Sony through two rounds. We'll see how he finishes. But even so, I mean, putting together two good rounds ain't nothing for Ben Griffin. I like Ben Griffin a lot. And he loves gambling. So, I mean, he loves like sports betting and stuff like that. I started following him on Twitter. Good dude. So uh, let's give our support. To our man, Ben Griffin, hopefully we can will him to a victory on the PGA Tour this year. Trying to find guys that are good from 5 to 10 and then 10 to 15 feet. Taylor Montgomery's ranks inside the top 10 in both, as does Brennan Todd. S.H. Uh, Kim is 10th and 68th. Uh, well, Richie Wierinski, don't want to do that. Adam Long ranks inside the top 10 top five in terms of five to 10 and top 50 10 to 15 other guys who rank very highly in both you have cam young and sam Ryder, cameron davis you also have Eric Cole. My guy, Eric Cole. There he is again. Great putter. Uh, Bezadenhout. Both, uh, They both rank inside the top 20 in both of them. Bill Haas. Just a bunch of guys you don't want. Then you have Sam Burns, who does pretty well, although he basically putted himself out of the TOC. But he's a good enough player that he could just randomly rebound at any time. We talk about 10 to 15 feet uh, on this course. You have Sung Kang. It's got to be Kang. Number one, Todd. You have Rom, number three. I mean, it's going to be pretty good. If you're making your putts from 10 to 15 feet, you're probably going to be a pretty good player. Day continues to leap back up there. Keep an eye on him at Farmers for next week. Scheffler, Fabian Gomez. Fabian Gomez is a former Sony Open winner, I believe. Or maybe that was Castro. I get them confused from time to time. Justin Lower ranks up pretty highly. Biota, Matias Schmidt. Not guys that you really want to go to. At least, I don't think so. Poston's pretty good from this range. So was Tom Kim. Again, we'll see how that ends up. It's trending down. Put it that way. Uh, you also have Cam Young, Harry Hall, who made a pretty nice run at Sony in the first two rounds. Putnam, top 60 in both. Pendrith, 40th here. Harris English. Harris English is trending upward. The putting is coming back. I like, maybe I'll throw Harris English onto this list, too. Just going to been middling getting his game back together uh the around the green game has been great for him that's always positive news the driving's been pretty good basically since we got to mayakoba and beyond believe he made the cut at the sony he was in the mix in the first round he was minus five after the first round i don't know if he went like full speed and ended up missing the cut i don't believe that to be the case however Next thing I want to do, look at some Pete Dye courses. Again, it's only two of the four rounds, but we've just seen a lot of correlation between guys who are good on Pete Dye courses and guys who play well at this tournament. I mean, see Wu being sort of like Wyndham, Sawgrass here. Uh, it's just, it's a lot of the same guys. We'll take a look at the average and we'll take a look at strokes gained total and see how we're doing on Pete Dye courses. I believe, I don't know why that went back to rank. I want to go to averages over that time. And I don't, oh, it's because I want to go to, go to Birdie Bogey's, switch off that and go to strokes gained overall. I should just probably let it load, shouldn't I? Before I try to tell it something different. So we'll let Fairways and Greens load uh, on Pete Dye courses. If you just, we're curious. Fairways gained uh, Armor, Kadira, Aaron Rye, Tom Kim, and Shez Revi, Damon Lingmurth, Siwoo, Lipski, uh, and then Harmon, Zach Johnson, Justin Su, who made a nice run for me at Sony. I think he was 600 on Friday to end up making the cut. That's always nice. But strokes gained total on Pete Dye courses. I mean, I haven't clicked on Pete Dye yet. So we should probably go do that. You can always use the Pete Dye filter. There's a Nicholas course here, too, if you want to take a look at the Nicholas filter and try to merge those together. I think it's more important because this is the more difficult course of the bunch. Uh, additionally, you get two courses or two rounds there. So here are your best players on average in strokes gain total at Pete Dye courses over the course of the past 24 rounds. Willie Z, Herman, Sungjae, Siwoo, and Rom are the top five. Cantley, EVR, has not played yet this season. This will be his first event. Ditto with Rose, Pendrith, the same, and then Scheffler. Those are all the players who gain at least one stroke total on the field per round at Pete Dye courses After that, you have Finao, Cam Davis, the Gim Reaper, Charlie Hoffman, Sung You'll Know, Callum Terran. That's only three rounds of data, by the way. bezaden Houghton Burns and Adam Hadwin, Andrew Novak in only five rounds. There's Harris English. He's rearing his ugly head once again up there. Steele, Moore Poston, Grayson Sig. So Sig, again, again. we keep seeing that name pop up. We see there's Johnny Vegas. Probably wouldn't go to him. Lee Hodges in only 10 rounds has played these ones. Ekro has only four rounds, but has done pretty well in his career. Cam Young is there as well, although he only has eight rounds, gaining 0.4 per round. If we take a look at Tita Green... At Pete Dye courses. Many of the same names, but you see a big jump in Luke List and see si Woo Kim as they go inside the top three. I mean, Lucas struggles are putting. Shocker there. Finau and Gim and Kirk all get some rise in the to green rankings. In this sense Harmon does as well as does Lee Hodges. Party Marty Laird. My guy Davis Thompson. Hopefully he can do something. The last man on the course at the Sony Open. Uh, he had an eagle putt on 18. He wasn't hinging on the cup. But he decided to call it a night. It got too dark for him. Did not want to go back out there. And he—he uh, he was the reason that you didn't get T times, or see like the overall 6%, six percent, six and six percentage on your DraftKings app, because technically there was still a man on the course uh, as of this recording. I don't even know what he did. He kind of—I mean, I want him to gain money for me in my season-long race with Rick and Jeff and all those guys, as he was my last-round pick. But you know. In spite of it, he's at minus two right now. Kind of hope he four putts for bogey and misses the cut for making this weight. You know, there's the, that sort of spite that comes into it at the same time. Who else? Sheffler, Neesmith, Day. I mean, Day continues to pop here a little bit. Let's take a deeper look at, at Jason Day just for a second to see what's going on with him. I missed the cut at the RSM. I believe he was very popular, but he'd been kind of great. I mean, great not old school Jason Day great, but great in general, especially on approach play and driving. He kind of got it back uh, once we got into the late summer and through the swing season. I I feel like he's probably going to be, depending on his price, pretty popular this week. But, I mean, I can kind of see it. I I might hold off and fire at him at Farmers, where he's had one twice, even made a run last year in the Will Z Luke list year. But that's just another guy we can kind of look to. Approach play overall, Stewart Sink. Who uh, had a pretty nice week at Sony, or at least is having a nice week at Sony? At uh, Pete Dye courses, over 24 rounds inside the top three. Liston Zalatoris two and one. Callum Tarran does well. Pete Dye approach play. Laird Hoffman, Siwoo Kirk, all kind of the same names keep popping up. Ben Taylor, who popped last week, when we did this show and in the simulations that Fantasy National ran, uh, ended up inside the top 10 after two rounds at the Sony. I wonder where he's going to end up popping up here, but has played decently well in a very limited fashion. Only five rounds of Pete Dye course, but gaining a half stroke per round on approach. The important things that we want to look at this week. So let's reset everything. We can take a look at Sony just for a second to see uh, just Guys who maybe missed the cut, who actually had a pretty good week outside of putting and things that we were looking for. We can head to the in-tournament stats. There's a broken thing at the top. Um, You can scroll down and find everything. We're trying to incorporate a live leaderboard, but Shotlink is not being very friendly with their coding for us. So that has kind of crapped out a little bit. That should be back. Moose is trying to fix it right now. But The live leaderboard is completely intact. You just have to scroll down a little bit in order to find it. So we can take a look at total and you can sort by the leaderboard. You see, Kirk is in first place at the turn. You got old Spawn coming in for us. Poston. Maybe uh, other guys can make a make a run. Maybe Brian Harman, who was he and Poston were both cruising, and then Harmon made a double bogey on a par three, and it just kind of submarined his round. Poston goes out, and I think in five under through ten or something like that, and made, you know, played the rest in even par. That's never a fun time. So let's just take a look at Tita Green overall. Actually, ball striking. We'll combine off the tee and approach and try to find some guys who missed the cut. Hey, Eric Cole, there he is. Eric Cole, for a guy who's pretty good at putting, he's having a pretty disastrous putting week. Look, there's the Troy Merritt week I was talking about. He's tied for 59th. He's gained five strokes on approach already. Can't make a putt to save his life. Can't chip to save his life either. So uh, this guy's not in the field. That would be Yuto Katsugura. Great, great news on him. He lost eight, almost nine strokes putting in two rounds. You don't see much of that. So guys who did miss the cut, Chesson Hadley uh, had a great week driving, and that was about it. Very poor on the greens. We keep going down. Brandon, woo, Keith Mitchell, and Matias Schmidt. uh, All, I guess Schmidt gained on the greens. He was just terrible around the greens. But ball striking-wise, he was fine. Scott Piercy, another guy who can pile up birdies in a hurry. You see Kitayama was kind of up there as well. Jonathan Bird. No one really. Who were who the worst putters in the field? Let's we'll go to Approach and just kind of sort by that to see if anyone missed out. Brandon Wu was the best player uh, in Approach who ended up missing the cut. Additionally, we have Ryan Armour was up there as well. He couldn't do anything else but hit approaches this week. Tom Kim, shocker, lost almost seven strokes putting this week. And we can play the game. And this is sort of the pros and cons that I worked out with Tambo on the DraftKings show. It's like when you start saying this guy is a lock and everything like that. And I agreed. Listen, I thought that Tom Kim was a good play. I bet him at 10 to 1. I used him a ton on DraftKings, just like 35% of the field did. But when we were coming up with the con case for Tom Kim, it was all about he's not a great putter. Most of the time. Sometimes he is a great putter. Other times, not so hot. Could he putt himself out of this tournament? Turned out, yes, was the answer to that. Uh, You probably don't see a ton uh, from Tom Kim going forward where he loses 3.5 strokes per round on the greens. The rest of the game was airtight, though. That's why I don't mind going back to him this week. If he can just kind of heat up the putter a little bit. And even when we dig into Tom Kim, just very casually and take a look at his putting performance it's a lot like what i talked about before you know minus minus and minus six this week he had a minus six at the bmw championship he also has gained 12.5 in a round 6.1 he won both those events it's like the old morikawa thing so morikawa anytime in his career i believe that he has gained more than three strokes in a tournament on the greens, he's come inside the top three, and most of those he's won in his career. So let's take a look. PGA Championship, 8.1, he wins. Genesis, Century, Memorial, gained more than five, came second in both those events. Uh, gained four at the workday and four in Mexico. Where well, it wasn't Mexico. It was at the concession. So he gained more than four. He won. So half the time, he gains over four strokes putting. It's only happened six times in his career. He's won. And I would wager, although we don't have the shot length data, that at the Open Championship when he won, he made every putt. That week. So the other two times, uh, I mean, this was two years ago, he gained more than three at Sony, that was a seventh. The other two times he gained more than three, he came in second. So of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times in his career, Colin Morikawa has gained more than three strokes putting. He's finished second or first eight of those nine times. It's pretty good. So when that happens periodically, you know that these guys are going to win. So in his career, Anytime he's gained more than four strokes putting, Tom Kim has won the event. Again, doesn't happen very often, but if it can, on these slower greens as well, kind of like they are at the Shriners, mind you, um, he's probably going to win if that's the case. If he gains like four strokes putting, he's going to win. So that's always the case for and against Tom Kim in these spots. Probably always more of a buy low, mid-tier, not a favorite type player. Dude's not Tiger Woods. He's a 20-year-old Making he's a 20-year-old rookie on the PGA Tour, essentially with two career wins already. So we know how hot it gets. But the approach and driving continued to stay hot. That is the important part. As you can can as you continue to go back to him week after week after week. Let's try to guess some odds for the Amex. Is like I said, it's a very good field. Ten of the top 20 right now on. The world golf rankings are up there. I think that there's a big four in terms of pricing this week as we get to some of the names. I have Rom, Scheffler, Cantley, and Xander as your big four. Could be off on that. They could squeeze in Tom Kim or Willie Z or Finao or whoever. But I, my belief is those are the top four below 15 to 1. So I'm going to say John Rahm, 9 to 1, Scheffler, 10 to 1, Cantley, 12 to 1, Xander, 14 to 1. After that, I have Willie Z and Finau at 18, Sungjae and Tom Kim, both at 22 to 1, Burns and Cam Young, 25 and 28. Now, they might try to rook us on some of these, or or just kind of, it's the next tier that might get squeezed either high or low. I have them trending low versus high right now, and I have Harmon at 35 along with Hoagie and Wise. Uh, Taylor Montgomery at 33. If he wins, he goes up to 25. If he loses, he's probably going to be around like 30, 33, 35 for him. After that, you have like KH Lee and Thee gala and cam Davis. They'll be in that like 40 to 50 range. And then you just have random outliers that I don't know what to do with. Like you have Jason day, Justin Rose, Thomas Dietry, Ricky Fowler. I would guess that Day probably is right around 45, 50, 55, and the other three are beyond that. Then you have like your Poston, your Damon, your Harris English, that type of player I could see end up being uh, within that like 50 to 75 range. Eventually almost like Harmon this week. Harmon opened at 40. He went off at 16. Like 16 is a terrible price. 40 was a good price for Brian Harmon. I mean, there's a reason that people smash it. I bet it at 27, which is probably ill-advised, but I saw where it was going at the time we were doing the Show. I had a 27 available to me and I saw him drop to 16 on DraftKings Sportsbook in real time so I was like "Yeah, screw it let's go with the with the 27 probably going to be a loser but hey most of the picks I make end up losing anyway so you know I had to roll with that one trying to get some uh, closing line value on old Brian Herman the 40s were actually a good bet win or lose that was a good number to jump in at. So we're going to see that early on on Monday morning, that there's going to be good numbers out there. People are going to jump on them. They're going to crush all the value out of them, and then guys will pop down and pop back up. Generally, this, like, 60 to 50 to 90 range ends up getting crushed. The Three or four guys that open at 80 or 75, if you like them, I would recommend betting them right away, because even this week, like, I got Svenson and Poston and Hughes. Oh, always need to make me sweat the cut line. Thanks, Mac Hughes. Very polite. Being a Canadian, you know, I don't need to sweat the cut line. I'll be massively over par. But they open at like 70, 75, 80. By the end of the week, they were going off at 50 and 55. I mean, that's 30 points of difference. I mean, you don't have to hit as many winners throughout the course of the year. If you can get a winner or two at 75 and 80 and they go off at 55, that's like a free 30 to one just sitting there. So always keep that in mind when you're trying to find some good value early in the week, getting the best number can really make up for some losses and non winners throughout the course of the season. Just, just saying, you don't have to go bet on Monday morning, but those are generally when the best options are available. That or guys get crushed. So let's say this week that Finau ends up being super popular and he opens at 18 to one. People hammer the I would hammer the 18 to one if that's what it is when it comes out. That might be wishful thinking, or maybe even Tom Kim at 22. Those two guys get hammered. They go from 18 to 14 and 22 to 16. That means we're going to see Will Z drop down if he's not the popular one. Sung j drop down into the 25, 28. You just have to wait for that maturation of the market to come through by Wednesday. So the top end guys, unless they're like the two popular ones that everyone's betting, generally do give you better value later in the week, where those mid-tier guys give you worse value the later the week goes on. So keep that in mind when you're planning out your card for any golf betting week, but particularly this week. That will do it on the Pat Mayo experience. Once again, fantasynational.com/slash mayo to get yourself 20% off and set up your model and save your models just like I did. Go search all the stats you want. And then in week, lineup generator, ownership projection, simulations. And we have a couple new simulation tools coming very soon. Moo sent me the beta. I've used them, they rule. He is just trying to get them incorporated into the site right now. I don't really know much about building websites or tech, but he had to, like, rewrite every line of code on the site in order to make these new tools work. So they're coming soon. Bear with us, probably in the next three weeks or so. They should be out there. I don't want to speak for Moose, but if I say it publicly, he'll put a, you know, poker on his ass to get it going. All right? Uh, What else do we got? Listeners League coming on Monday. Smash the likes, sub to the channel, and give me your winner down in the description. Thank you all for watching. If you want to get in the showdown streets, I do have a Pat Mayo experience with uh toe tag and tambo tower tambolini joins me on the wednesday golf drafting show DraftKings pick show so we did a full breakdown of the weekend in football including sunday only slate and the monday night football slate if you want to go back and check that out all right i'll see you next.
3: Time.
2: would you like to hear the optimal showdown lineup for monday night football
3: Let's, let me go to it for a second here and we'll do it yeah it's uh tampa bay to alice
2: Brady is the captain. Okay. Now uh, this is ten thousand simulations. This one appears thirteen times as the optimal. And this isn't building in like, hey, I want four, two, three, three, five, one. This is just straight up what it took. Who is me. it? Yeah, exactly. It's Brady as the captain with otten Godwin, and Rashad White, Dak, and Tony Pollard. That seems like the most uncorrelated lineup of all time.
3: Otten, Godwin, Rashad White, Dak, and Pollard. Dak and Pollard.
1: So
2: it's Dak. In this lineup, you're saying Brady throws to his backs, Godwin, and hits a Rando tight end for a touchdown. Dak throws to Pollard for some gains, and they do everything on the ground. And yeah. Dak steals a touchdown from Zeke. I guess that's a story that you tell yourself with this lineup. I don't love this lineup, but like I'm not good at showdowns. So.
3: Yeah, it, definitely make, it still makes sense on paper. Like It's Brady with two, two pass catchers, which is what you're going to want. It's got a running back that can fill in for that. And then it's... Maybe Pollard scored early and then gets the checkdowns. He gets plenty of passing work, so it works. And the way the reason it's still at least a little bit unique, it won't be in the big slate with a million bucks up top because everyone's got lineups like this. But I'm saying you have Dak with no pass catcher, but you, you do have a pass. It's Pollard in a running back disguised position as your pass catcher. And what has his targets been? They've been pretty solid, I think. Go ahead.
2: So the next three that appear in the optimal most often actually do not project for the... Second, third, and fourth most points is just the way that the, these ten thousand simulations went. The next highest total of all of them is Brady, Otten, Godwin, Fournette, Dak, and Schultz. Would be the next highest projected point total, but in terms of the optimal, it wasn't close with the way that it got spit out. The next three that are all tied with eleven out of the ten thousand simulations. Two of them have Brady as a captain. One of them's Otten, Godwin, Evans, Gage, and Pollard. So a five-one. Tampa onslaught.
3: So, what, what was that one? I just want to see the projection difference in the two. As Brady is the captain,
2: Otten, Godwin, Evans, Gage. Otten, Godwin, Evans, Gage. With Pollard. So, the difference I have is seven points between that first lineup and this lineup. Although, this one leaves $1,200 on the table.
3: Brady, Evans, you said, but this one leaves big money. Yeah, so this, this one leaves 1200 bucks, right? Yeah. And I have it as the first one was the.
2: The first one I had is 105.5 points. I have this one at 99 points. Yeah,
3: I've got this one 10 points worse than that.
2: That's just what ended up coming up. And but again,
3: then, you're going a 5-1 here, full onslaught. Like, I, I can see where people could get to this very easily. So so
2: the the other lineup is almost the exact same thing. It has four of the same pieces, except you take out Cade Otten and replace him with Leonard Fournette. You take out Tony Pollard and pre- replace him with Brett Mayer.
3: <laughs> just a kicker, wow. Yeah.
2: And that one projects it almost the same as the last one.
3: How much money does that one use? All of
2: it. And that's with Gage. Uses all 50000
3: I think I'm missing a piece here. Evans?
2: Brady, Evans, Godwin, Fournette, Gage.
3: Brady, Evans, Godwin. Oh, Fournette, Gage. And then Brett Mayer. Fournette, Gage all right i got it Um, it does
2: seem to me like everyone's kind of like dallas passing stack is probably the contrarian side of this game yeah like no running backs Dak, lamb schultz noah brown and then figure out the two bucks that you like i think that'll be if you're gonna play it that's probably the way to play it to get off of like brady evans godwin they're just Going to be and Pollard are going to be like your four most popular captains.
3: I love this slate because, again, I think you and many others will look for these pass catchers, and I think you can build lineups here. A lot of those optimals, which is awesome, but they still had Godwin in there or they still had Evans in there or whatever. So you
2: want to use Pollard, Zeke, White, and
3: Fournette. And then I want to use Otten and I want to use Schultz and I want to use the quarterbacks and I want to use the kickers and I want to use the defenses. I have a huge pool. Like, oh, you named everybody. No, but I'm saying when you build you, you, a bunch well, you of lineups, no, you have
2: no Lamb, no Godwin, no Evans.
3: Yeah, and I'm not going to. Again, people that know me, and we'll see the stuff I'm run pure and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not building all my lineups that way. I'm saying that's where I've had some great success this season in showdown. Is you, you're not going off the board looking for the weird play in showdown or leaving all the salary to just make it unique. That does make you unique, but it doesn't guarantee you to win just because you're unique. I'm looking for say, okay, maybe it's a Dalton Schultz, Schultz captain. That would include Dak,
2: for sure. Well, and the first thing you told me when you came on is that I think this game is a shootout. You don't. Right. Therefore, defense, kickers, running backs they is, all make the story, sense. is the story that you're telling. Yes. Yep. Like I, I can go in to run The Sims right now. Like We have you know, points scored for Dallas, 23. Let's just say this game is 17-14. Mm-hmm. What happens then? So say 17-14 for Dallas. How does that shake itself out? I'm not going to twist any of the other knobs or anything, but just
3: do 10,000 more simulations of... 1714 the score and can i note something while you do that just one thing i want to bring up why i love run the sims is also you'll have people out there watching this right now pat saying oh pat tambo they're crazy like tambo's crazy it's never gonna be 1714 these two teams first of all we know that's not true it could be but uh, that's not the point it also could be right to the total we could see 24 21 right around that 45 point total uh, or it goes over even but on run the sims you can change the rushing share and what they're doing, I'm saying how they get there. What if more running backs score the touchdowns and tight ends and that stuff? I can change all that See, around the Sims. I, 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 I would
2: say that, and that's actually a really good point, so let's do that.
3: It doesn't. I don't think it's going to be a 17-14 as much as I'm saying if it goes under, let's say 24-21. Well, let's, call it
2: let's call it 21-17,
3: a slight under. Sure, I so, like that.
2: And in that game, I think both teams probably run the ball a little bit more. So instead of a 50% rush rate for Dallas, we'll increase that to 60%. Yes, and for Tampa Bay, instead of a 34% rush rate, let's call it 45%. And we'll call their rushing TD rate instead of 18%. We'll call it 30%. That's not a big adjustment no. whatsoever. It's fair. And uh, we'll boost up from 40 to 50% rushing touchdown rate. Although I think it's probably higher than that. Let's call it 60% for Dallas. They love rushing the ball. Yeah, of course. And we'll call the sack rates 6% and 6.5% on either side. Just make it easy on ourselves to give us a unique build that way. Run that 10,000 times and now see what our... Yeah, and we're not opti- going
3: in player by player trying to be these heroes no. and guess it. We're letting just, the sim still to, work. Like,
2: here's the game here's flow. Here's what the
3: game looks like. And again, you're building game flows in Showdown. That's what it's all about. A million bucks up top, too.
2: So, here's how it now looks. The two most optimal lineups both have Pollard as the captain. Okay. It's Pollard as the captain with Myers. And those are the only two Dallas players. Then it's Godwins, Brady, and Evans with Rashad White. Then, here's a, I think this is the build that you were looking to get for, and it's one that projects for the most points. And it's
3: with Pollard as captain still? It's
2: Pollard with captain, Brett Mayer as a flex, okay. with Zeke. Yeah, love and this. And then it's Brady, Godwin, and Fournette.
3: Yeah, I love this build, by the way. It uh, uses all the money, that's unfortunate, but d- you can play around with it. But, uh, I mean, well, that- you could
2: just use Zeke as your captain and use Pollard in the flex and hope Zeke scores three touchdowns or two, touch- two of the implied touchdowns in this game. Hopefully they both go to Zeke and all of a sudden Pollard racks up the yardage but Zeke outscores him for a cheaper price and now you're probably at like forty-eight fifty or something. Now, the another another
3: great point Pat, that you brought up there is that exactly. It's just all one guy beats one guy which is standard. It projects almost the exact same but leaves the 100 bucks on the table instead of the max. It's not going to make a huge difference but just good that you brought it up but I will say that's the prime build where like I said you don't have no pass catchers but I've got two running backs in the kicker that's how Dallas scores their points. Let's say they are the 20, what'd you say, 21? I had them at
2: 20. I had the game at twenty seventeen.
3: Yeah, okay, so so let's say they're the, the 17 side even, but just, they get the yards on the ground, the bonus. stuff. So that's a touchdown for each of them. The kicker, the extra points, all that could be a thing. And then the other side, you've got Brady, Fournette for the touchdowns. that that rack it up but Godwin's a PPR guy too yeah he'll get his nine for 96 yeah Yeah. exactly he gets his nine for 70 or something like that and he just needs to be in there those are the types of builds you don't have to have no pass catchers I'm just saying if most of the lineups that we're seeing are going to want to have the other setup of Godwin Evans Lamb you can fit like you there's affordability here to be able to put those guys in you could do it the other way if you don't think my way is right and flip it to your way you could build other lineups where you'd use all pass catchers Right? Set it up that way. Use the you know, Don't use Brady at captain, but who's the, the cheapest guy that it liked? It was like, what, Gage, you said? Yeah. If you go Gage, you can probably fit everybody. You go Brady, Dak. I'm just filling it out quickly. You got Godwin, who it loved. Uh, you got Cade Otten, who it loved. Where, where's he at now? I got him down at the bottom here, so that will fill that out. And that leaves me exact money, well, 200 bucks left on the table to get CD Lamb. So you got Gage, Otten, Godwin, Brady, Dak Lamb. 200 bucks on the table
2: and to look at it the captain
3: optimal rate
2: right now is pollard by a bunch 22 percent, brady fournette and godwin all around 12 percent. those are the big four when it comes to who the optimal captains are right now after that it's dak and then it's another big drop off and it gets to rashad white and cd lamb and zeke like those yeah. guys are all around like five six percent
3: Yeah, probably the most interesting point to round it out, at least on my end for this slate, would be the Fournette ownership. Because again, you know, playoff Lenny, all the stuff on the main slate people are using. People are going to have him everywhere. It's not very noticeable to go from Pollard to Zeke, right? It's, I believe, 200 bucks. But Fournette to White is 7,200 to 5,400. For example, that lineup we gave earlier, you could just leave leave it as is. I I said it's unfortunate uses all the money. Yeah, just, just drop Fournette to White. Done.
2: Yeah, and hopefully you just leave it the hits. money. And it's like
3: it, that isn't you didn't do anything crazy. You just said White beats Fournette. It's very possible that that happens in this game on a single game slate. So that's the types of things you're doing here. Just it's some of it's basic to most. But I'm just saying, in general little things like that is all it takes. Not. Who's the diamond in the rough at the bottom? That you know, Cameron Brate's going to come in at two hundred bucks and break the slate. No, <laughs> break the slate. You know, that's a, you know, people are coming up with these things, me included. So just I'm saying, it's that's what people look for when it's not what you have to do. I need White to beat Fournette. They're both running backs. They split the, the shares pretty much. They're in the same game, same one game slate spot. It leaves huge money on the table. You're more unique, and it can beat them. All right,
2: that will do it on the Pat Mayo experience. You wanna do what we just did and conform it to what you think is gonna happen, run the sims.com slash mayo to get yourself that discount. Super easy to use. Like I said, sometimes it's just about turning a few different levers. You don't you don't need to go full galaxy brain and say, well, I think that Rashad White is going to get 7.4% of the receiving. We're share, not which just like,
3: that. here's what they get. That's the best part of yeah. it though. I mean, we talk about it all day for obvious reasons, but it is the truth. Like it's, you go on, you let the simulations do the work. But you can say, I want to see what this game, if you have an opinion Here's the on game, game condition. flow, that can change things drastically from what the general public is doing with the, the projection sites. And they're letting them just say the projections are always right. You're getting projections, but you're also getting them based on how you see the game flow going. A lot of people use it. Great tool to have. If you don't have it, it's worth t- checking out. Now would be the time.
2: Yeah, com no discounts right now it's too good
3: hey, you, you can get discounts hit me up if you want a discount on yeah, twitter d-
2: dm tambo at toe and tambo he'll get you a discount
3: code we'll get you a discount code but RunPureSports.com. yes all sports one price same thing you compare that with it i mean that's the thing about run pure the tools you have like run run the sims run pure Makes perfect sense together. RTS, RPS. There we are. It's a workout. You've got the tool. You've got the content from the people that are putting the time into the tools to then sort of make it more layman's terms, expedite the process for you, simplify the slate to make it easier for you in that sense. Super easy. We'll be back next
2: week for the final DraftKings show of the year. Did not think we'd go for an hour and 15 minutes on this, but here we are. (laughs) Oh, it's always fun talking, but we're back every... If you miss Tambo and me, we are here every Wednesday talking golf DraftKings at the same time. So hopefully you'll... uh, (laughs)
3: You know why I'm smiling. We got a big sweat this afternoon on Eric Cole. One under through round one.
2: Eric Cole was third in the field in approach yesterday. He's solid. Could, That's could, I'm could, sweating it. Not could, you couldn't you, make a putt to save his life, you're, but you here might we be are sweating
3: it for your lineups. I'm sweating if I, what, what we're sending out on Twitter because we'll see what he, what he looks like after this round.
2: The listeners' league is getting close to full. You can find that down in the description right now. It's three max entry, fifteen dollars to play. It's the Sunday only slate. Once again, run the sims.com slash mayo to get yourself that discount. Smash like, sub to the channel, rate and review the pod. And up to that too. On the way out, I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching